Kelly Rabel, and I'm from uh, the United States. Uh, Washington State in particular is where I grew up and went to school. And um, I am here in Australia doing a project about incarceration, um, but also about sort of carceral systems generally, as this is part of a trip where I'm going to multiple countries around the world and looking wow. at their justice systems. Um, and so, yeah, I'm starting in Australia, and then I'll be going to Argentina after that, and um, hopefully we'll be going to another country afterwards, but not quite sure yet mm. where that will be. Um, and in each country, I had the idea sort of to, to look at um, – to look at something specific there. Um, and so in Australia, I was really surprised to see um, the pretty outrageous incarceration rates for indigenous people. Yeah. Um, and so that was something that I wanted to look to, into mostly because um, in the U.S. we also incarcerate you know minorities at uh, incredibly high rates. So I thought that would be sort of a good comparison. Um and I was interested in what was going on there. Um, that being said, since I've come here, uh, I've also just been focusing on the justice system generally. So um, getting lots of great information about that topic, in particular, um, indigenous incarceration. Um, but also just, uh, to me, everything in the justice system is sort of interconnected, whether we're talking about, you know, you could talk about the police, the courts, uh, prisons, jails, mm. juvenile justice. Um, you could talk about the back end, which is, you know, people coming out of prisons, programs uh, involved with people coming out of prisons. Um, yeah, sort of reintegration. So uh, those are just to mention a few things. Uh, and so generally, I'm I'm looking at all of those things and have been talking with a lot of people oh, cool. th that, yeah, that have expertise in many of these areas. Um, and it's that, um, so it sounds like our, our show, radio show. <laughs> it does a little bit, doesn't <laughs> it? One person <laughs> travelling. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, um, I feel like you all have been quite an inspiration to me. Oh, thanks. So, um, yeah, but just uh, fortunately I can kind of go across country borders um, yeah. and hopefully get even more of an international perspective um, and maybe make some connections there. So, yeah. So in your, um, like, in your eyes or in your, like, way of looking um, that um, the incarceration of Indigenous people, is that, like, how would you compare that to America with, um, you know, Native American people and people of colour? Yeah, definitely. Um that's a complicated question, you know, obviously one that I came to sort of look at and answer. And I've only been here for a month so far, um, and I have three months here. So, you know, oh. just started sort of unraveling a bit of, of what's going on. Um, I feel like a few things that I've learned so far that feel important are um, sort of the history of these two countries, uh, the U.S. and yeah, yeah. Australia. and. Yeah, just especially looking back, I feel like a lot of what I've done in the first month in Australia is learning about the settler colonialist history that sort of set in motion um, th the continued um, in incarceration of uh, the first peoples of Australia. And um, yeah, because ever since someone, uh, a colonialist, arrived on the shore, um, Basically, there's been incarceration and um, killing and violence of, mm. of the indigenous people. And, and so to me, it, it seems like a lot of it goes back to, um, back to that and uh, continues on in sort of experienced trauma to today as well. Yeah. Um, and, and racism within, within the justice system that continues to be carried out. Um, and so this is a little bit similar to the U.S. Um, and we have obviously a, a terrible history in terms of a massive of slavery of um, people in the U.S. And so if anyone has read like Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow or things like that, um, knowing about how we've kind of systematically moved 
from slavery to um, segregation laws, Jim Crow laws, and then now we sort of use our, our incarceration system in the U.S. to um, continue that form of slavery for uh, African Americans and minorities. So definitely seeing some uh, important similarities, I guess, in terms of how you need to know something about the history of a country and a place, uh, I think, to yeah, to learn about their current justice systems. Yeah, I was just came up with this um, question. This came up in my head. You don't have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> just like to me, um, um, colonial, colonialism and um, is and the the um, prison system or you know justice system is sort of interconnected in a way, like. Like you know, they clo- people cl- um, colonise Australia, then they mm-hmm. put jails here, and then you know the whole system blah blah, blah goes around and around. Yeah, and it's like before there wasn't, there was nothing like that before mm-hmm. um, colonised. I was just wondering about that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not sure I can speak to it super well, but just. Um, yeah, talking about I, I mean, especially one of the biggest things is like when colonialists showed up both in the US and in Australia, mm. they brought with them, you know, a Western legal system, sort of. Um yeah. and that has been imposed upon the people of um, you know, both of these countries that were here before colonialists and um has been used, you know, in in order to facilitate a lot of violence. Um, so, yeah, that's just one observation, I feel like. Um, and, and the other observation that I wanted to make on that is, too, that um, prisons and prison systems in the way that I think most people think about them modernly, which we're talking about, like, big you know, brick walls and razor wires and things like that, um, mm. that sort of idea of the prison is actually a pretty modern concept um, within the last couple hundred years, right? So, yeah, going back to what you're talking about, um, before uh, colonialists showed up on either of these, in either of these places, there was no such thing as the modern penitentiary system. Yeah, right. Um, So it's just another thing. (laughs) Yeah. So what are um, some of the things that you've experienced so far with um, interviews and yeah, um, good question. I've had a lot of interviews, though, so I'm kind of like, uh, um, I'm trying to think of some of maybe the most pertinent or interesting um, things. I mean, I've had the opportunity to talk to people, let's see, um, about policing in yeah. Australia. That was actually just recently and um how as far as like um racial profiling in policing is Mm. um not highly acknowledged here in australia yet uh and so there's a lot of work it seems like to be done in terms of changing policing practices um i talked with someone you know looking at mentorship and yeah, how um, how you can use uh, potentially people who have come out of prison and and uh, made it, you know, not gone back to prison, uh, in order to mentor people who are coming out of prison. Um, I've talked to some people in the abolitionist sort of scene and yeah. heard what they had to um, the great insights they had, you know, about sort of an abolitionist perspective on prisons. Um, I don't know. I could just go on, (laughs) on and on. (laughs) Um, Let me think of some of my other conversations. Ah, I met with someone, um, an Aboriginal man, who um, talked about a program that he ran with an elder, an Aboriginal elder in all of the prisons of Victoria where they would go in and uh, yeah, where it was sort of a cultural program where uh, it was three days really intense of um, 
sort of working with and reconnecting um, indigenous yeah. people who are incarcerated with their culture and sort of um, getting to their emotions and um, yeah, really trying to address some of these things in the prisons. Um, and so he was really inspiring to talk to. Uh, and then also talking about his current work in the health system and sort of the closing the gap campaign. Oh, yeah. um, and it, it really struck me too, just again, in that interview, sort of how to me, all of these things seem to be interconnected. You can look at something like health and the healthcare system, but you can also mm. see in some ways how, how that's connected to um, incarceration and yeah. um, how in all of these different areas, you can see the effects of sort of syst- systemic racism, right? And and the trauma that has um, been sort of inflicted on the communities and the continual um, way that it seems like the, the government is using policies to... Um, I don't know the right word, but you, the the government is using policies in order. It do, it does not help uh, the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people, I guess, of Australia, as far as I've seen, and kind of keeps them in a cycle of uh, poverty often. And um, and that's not to say there's um, there's a lot of resistance and resilience within those communities, but that's what I've seen um, so far in a lot of government policies. It seems like so. Oh, right. Did you study anything yourself? Like what inspired you to do this project? Um, yeah, that's project. a great question. Um, that's – I feel like that's a long answer. But <laughs> uh, I guess to try to keep it kind of brief, uh, so five years ago I went to school um, – University, I guess you would call it here, uh, in Walla Walla, Washington, which is sort of a rural community in eastern Washington where the end of the line penitentiary is for Washington State. So that means it's a maximum security all male prison and it has. Um, oh, it's in that same town. It you, is. Yeah. It's in the same town and, um, and so. Uh, death row is also there because in the states we still have the death penalty um yeah so anyway so uh yeah i happened to go to school in this community not even knowing when i went to school that that this prison existed um really it was just sort of one of those things in the back of your mind Mm. Um, but when when i got there i happened to take a class that was a sociology class on prisons and punishment and from there, I just learning a, even a bit about the prison system and about the Washington State Penitentiary, I was like, I need to know more about this. And so since then, I have pretty much dedicated the last five years of my life to the topic generally of um, incarceration. And so that's involved things like I worked in Washington State to uh, abolish the death penalty on oh, the yeah. – uh, abolition campaign there. Um, I worked with a nonprofit called the Star Project, which is the successful transition and reentry project in Walla Walla, which is all about uh, helping people who have been previously incarcerated to come back into society. And so it's, you know, helping them find housing, pay rent, get a job, um, supporting them in that general transition. So I had the chance to work with um, people there. Was that just volunteering or? It was an internship. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, as was the Washington Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty. Those were both internships. Oh, wow. Um, I also got involved in doing research, uh, an oral history of the Washington State Penitentiary. Yeah. And from there did my uh, thesis research doing a women's oral history of the Washington State Penitentiary. Right. Um, and that involved talking with women correctional officers and staff who had worked at the penitentiary there. And then I'm actually currently writing a book with my professor, Keith Farrington, cool. um, based on those interviews, actually, that we that we did. So I know... Here in Australia, the ones you're doing now? Uh, based on the ones... These were in Walla Walla, Washington as oh, well. Yeah. No, 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 you're good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I, 
I'm trying to think. I've just done a lot. Oh, yeah, I did my study abroad in Nicaragua. Um, And so while I was there, I did a month-long research project about mediation in rural communities. Um, And so I was living in a rural community in northern Nicaragua with uh, a mediator. And what, what it's all about is that a lot of these rural communities don't really have access to the justice system because even taking a bus to the police station is much more expensive um, than anyone can afford. And so a lot of times conflicts will grow and escalate in the communities and there can be violence um, as things don't get resolved. And so in Nicaragua and in other Central and Southern American countries, there's been a push to train community leaders in mediation techniques so that people within these communities can come can come to a community leader and sort of resolve these conflicts um, before they escalate, which is what ends up happening a lot of times. Um, So that really was my first sort of global perspective um, on sort of justice and justice systems. And (laughs) um, yeah, there's a lot of other things I can mention, but uh, those were probably all those were some of the most formative uh, and important in the last number of years that I've been working on. Um, wow. Yeah. And what's going to ha- going to happen in the future? Like, what what's the outcome of your project? Sure. Blog. So yeah, so I am making a podcast. That's one of the main outcomes, I suppose. Um, it's called Carceral Complex. If anyone wants to take a listen. Uh, <laughs> And But it's not out yet, um, but I've been doing a lot of interviews with people, um, like I was mentioning before, those people that I was talking about are all yeah. interviews um, that hopefully, um, well, they will be coming out on podcasts at some point. Um, but as far as other outcomes, uh, the project is an independent project. So I did this all on my own, um, did the fundraising on my own, and one of the beautiful parts of doing research in that way or uh, doing sort of an exploration is that uh, I feel like the outcomes can kind of be melded and uh, molded and changed as your project goes along. And so I do have uh, a goal of when I go back to the U.S., um, maybe doing something like a TED Talk or you know, trying to – yeah, trying to – spread some of the information that I've that I've learned while I'm abroad but I'm still not quite sure what the best format is going to be and I think it'll yeah, yeah it'll really depend on um, what ends up happening in the different countries I'm in and um, yeah where things end up going right. uh, so uh, and I but I do know that this will definitely especially affect me I think in terms of where I go next because I'm not really sure what the next step is for me um if I if I should go back to school if I should be you know trying to get a job if I should be starting some sort of organization or project and so I hope too that this will um maybe shed some light on an area or something that um maybe I should be doing or should be helping to initiate um, back in the States, potentially. Um, so, yeah, I, I also hope that this will help to create more global networks and information sharing and just things across countries because it's so easy to sort of, um, especially when you're in the justice sort of sector, you get caught up in uh, your community or your state or your country and there's so many things to address in terms of like injustices and issues um, Mm. that looking across countries can be sort of hard um, to find both the time and funding. And so, uh, yeah, I do hope that this will um, help to create maybe some more global knowledge building. Oh, great. Um, Do you have anything else to add? Like, did you want to say anything else? If, well, if people are interested at all in um, following the project or if they want to know more about it, they they can you know either find the podcast on Facebook, um, which is Carcel Complex, or... What's that, I, Castle Complex? 
yeah, carceral complex. Or I do have a website also that helps to explain my project in in greater depth. Um, and that's Marley's World Incarceration Exploration dot Weebly dot com. Oh, wow, cool. Um, yeah. So if people are interested, then they can find me um, there too and uh, sign up to receive sort of updates on all of this because I, like I said, I do hope that um, people can gain some knowledge kind of across countries and, and even within their own country uh, about like people within the space and what's going on and yeah, kind of like what you all do. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, but yep. I think, yeah, I think that's about, about it. Sure. Thanks very much for coming and speaking to us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. We will not negotiate with minor state of title government or anyone on, on our culture, on, on our land. You know, if people say, oh, you're going to finish up with nothing, well, then so be it. But at least our hearts will tell us that we did not sell out our country and our culture and heritage for a few scungy dollars. Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice. For Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that. That nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. Now, you know where I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded. I think we've just got to admit that this is an Aboriginal country. Just do it. And you're with um, FreeCR's Doing Time Show. I'm Pete. Um, we're now, now going to play a, a recording of the Invasion Day rally on the 26th of um, January um, that Marley kindly um, recorded. Um, so we'll play that now. Um, next, I'd like to welcome Uncle Tony Burn, please. <coughs>
historical reminder and to make a suggestion. Again, in this building behind me, the politicians, the Premier in this building behind me, in 1886, enacted the infamous Half-Caste Act, what it called the Aborigines Act. And that act was to separate our community here in Victoria into a caste system of full blood, half-caste, quarter-caste, and not true. This government expected as an outcome of that legislation to quote, by the end of the century there will be no Aborigines in this colony. The absolute defiance of that stupidity and that violence is on evidence here today. So all you non-Aboriginal people here, out here, what I want to suggest to you is if you think there is something you need to get behind, if you think there is a cause in this country that will protect country, protect land, please, please follow the lead of the Aboriginal people of this state.
which we all stand, past and present, youth and the children going forward. Now, are we all fired up? Okay, please listen very carefully to what I have to say. Take it all in place. British Empire, Commonwealth, the Queen, Melbourne <laughs> and studied history. 
I studied history at the University of Melbourne because that's where I considered some of the worst of the academic historians who were distorting our history. One of my mentors during that period of my life of studying spoke here earlier today. It's probably out there somewhere. Good on you, Tony Birch. was to, like I said, start to present a more accurate representation of the history that I had been part of. And in the process of doing that, I came to understand much more about some of the history that had preceded me. In the late 1960s, early 1970s, with the great black uprising that started in Redford and in Fitzroy, that led to the great renaissance, if you like, in, in the Aboriginal political resistance our heroes at that point in time were those who had gone before. The Jack Pattons, the Bill Onuses, the Marge Tuckers, the, who had been responsible for the 1938 Day of Mourning, when William Cooper established once and for all that Aboriginal people considered this day to be a day of mourning and invasion. Australian Prime Minister by the name of Silly Billy McMahon. Luckily, most of you people here today are too young to remember just what an incompetent fool Billy McMahon as Prime Minister was. He decided on Australia Day, Invasion Day, 26th of January 1972, to make a big grand statement about Aboriginal land. He says, My government will never have Aboriginal land.
No, it was a recording from the um, Invasion Day rally um, on the 26th of January this year. Um, we're out. We'll see you all next week. Um, Rissa will be in. Um, take care, everyone. you got to remember, Nanox is a special day for us, brothers. That's a reminder who we are. Every year for NAIDOC Week, 3CR Community Radio gives voice to our Indigenous brothers and sisters through Beyond the Bars, Australia's only live prison broadcast. I am a black, black man. NAIDOC means a lot to me. It's about identity and also about past and present. NAIDOC means a lot to me for my family and my people. And the people forgetting about our rights. You can access audio from current and past Beyond the Bars broadcasts via the 3CR website. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars and either listen to or download audio from Australia's only live prison broadcasts. Happy Nadoc! Subscribe to 3CR so that your dollars support Indigenous voices and the struggle for land justice.
for Aboriginal people, the greatest grief of all is seeing the country destroyed. And somewhere along the line, we have to realise that we don't actually have the right to do that, that nothing we've ever done has given us the right to do that. Now, you know where I stand on this, because I'm so simple-minded, I think we've just got to admit that this is an Aboriginal country. Just do it. Hello. Uh-huh. 